Hello there, um, I just wanted to jump on this video and tell you a little bit about the seminar that I'm giving tomorrow, one of my Paro seminars. As many of you know, I give monthly seminars online and I call them Paro seminars. And I've been doing it for about three years now. I think there's like almost 40 videos that are there and people can access them for $5 a month. So for $5, you can literally have 40 hours of material. Um, but I also release some of them for free. After about six months, I'll, I'll, I'll stick one onto YouTube or onto my, uh, my podcast, uh, Talks Archive. Um, and uh, tomorrow I am doing one called Enslaved by Freedom. And uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at the theme of paradox. Uh, paradox is kind of an interesting place to explore. And I wanna use paradox to then kind of access what it means to be free. And then, you know, because what I try to do with the seminars is connect them with my own work, but also connect them with uh, how we can use it personally in our own lives. So from paradox, we're going to look at what freedom is. And then we're also going to look at how we can embrace freedom within our own lives. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what Jean-Paul Sartre calls um, bad faith, which is a way of living in which we don't take responsibility for our lives and for our actions. And then I'm gonna look a little bit at what it means to get beyond bad faith and kind of embrace one's life. Uh, there's something I touched on a little bit on the videos last week when we were talking about the nature of guilt and desire. Uh, I think in the third part, I talked about how do we uh, take responsibility for the life we find ourselves in. <laughs> so we kind of like, I mean, it's just like when you're a kid, you're going about as a baby and uh, eventually you get to a point where maybe it's an adolescence where you begin to question life but you question life from a position it's not like uh, our minds are empty shopping carts and at some point in our lives we go into the shopping center of life and we start to fill the cart with different ideas it's more like uh, by the time we come to think critically, the cart is already full of stuff. So we go into the shopping mall of ideas already with a cart that's full of different things and we start to pick some and put them back on the shelf and we take others. So interestingly, by the time you come to critically thinking about something, you're already immersed in all sorts of things. You're immersed in a language. Uh, you're immersed potentially in a, in, a, in a worldview of some kind, in a political system of some kind. Cultural and religious factors play a part. All of that already exists. So in a, in a weird way, you kind of find yourself inhabiting a jungle that um, you didn't create right you didn't grow uh, and instead of burning everything to the ground which is sometimes what we want to do when we're an adolescent um, a lot of it is about going okay how do i situate myself in the place that i am how do i subjectively affirm what i am as a first step towards change and towards movement um, this is why actually i'm always a bit critical of well, of the of the type of thinking in which a person moves from one worldview to another, 
right? So you've got one systems, system of belief and you start to see that it's got problems. You see cracks and fissures. And so what you do is you jump to some other system, some other worldview, some other cultural, religious or political perspective. Uh, this is very common. And this is the common notion of conversion. You convert from one position to another. Uh, but a, a different approach, a more dialectic approach, starts by saying you have to start where you're at. And instead of moving away from where you're at, you've got to move deeper into it. So the position, the religious position, for example, that you have, instead of jumping to something else, uh, start to delve into it and go deeper into it. And as you go deeper into it, it begins to crack, it begins to open up, and you'll end up somewhere probably very different. But it's not a journey out, it's kind of a journey deeper in. You start where you are and you start with the material you've got. It's almost like you start with the language you have, right? I speak English, so I'm not going to start with Chinese because I'm not starting there. I can start to learn Chinese and that might be interesting, but I start with going, right, I speak English. Uh, in the same way, you start with the thinkers that, that have been part of your life growing up. And this dialectic approach is as you go deeper in, you find that your positions will uh, hit uh, problems and objections and counterpoints. And as you follow them, they'll hit counterpoints. And so forward momentum doesn't happen when you start in the right place, whatever that could possibly mean. Forward momentum is when you start where you are and you move from there and you move carefully forward and so why was i saying all of that oh yeah because i was saying about how you kind of find yourself say you're 15 years old and you first start to read nietzsche and uh, you're kind of like oh wow this is opening up a whole new world and you start to to question everything um you're questioning something that you're already in and it's easy for us to kind of distance ourselves we're not that but in a way you are that you are all of the things that have impacted you and kind of moving, taking responsibility for that as an act of, of initial authenticity. That's what I'll be exploring. Uh, and we can, as I say, use that as a springboard for hopefully a healthier life. So we're going to look at all of that, but we're going to start with paradox. And I want to look at the difference between apparent paradoxes and real paradoxes. Uh, so apparent paradoxes are paradoxes that they only seem to be a paradox, but you can actually work out that they're not. And I'll split that into two, most likely. You, you could split this into more categories than I'm doing, but I'm using very general categories. I'm saying there's apparent paradoxes that are paradoxes that we can solve. And then there's a type of kind of what you would call a mystical apparent paradox, which is the idea that the infinite, uh, basically, or what's called the noumenal in philosophy, that which is completely other, if it is able to manifest or reveal itself within finite reality, it will only ever appear as a paradox because um, it could never appear kind of like non-paradoxically within the finite. The infinite, when it folds into the finite, is going to lead to paradoxes like God-man or like burning bush or like food that both is consumed and yet uh, uh, feeds a multitude and ends up, you've got more at the end, right? These are all types of paradoxes. I'm going to look at them and then we're going to look at the idea of a real paradox. 
But I'll give, you, I'll give you an apparent paradox now, and then we can finish up. So here's one, if I can remember it. Um, uh, from when I, I remember hearing it when I was at Tech studying computer studies once, and my lecturer just threw it out there. And he said, imagine there's three guys, and they are students, and they're living together, and they want an old TV set, just something rubbish, right? So they go to an old secondhand store, and there's an old TV set that costs $30. So they go, brilliant, $30. Uh, we'll put $10 in each and we'll buy the TV set, we'll go home. So that's what they do. They pull their money together. Each of them spends $10, they buy the TV set. Now, when they leave the shop, the manager who was on a lunch break comes back, sees the TVs being sold and says to the clerk, oh, how much did you sell the TV for? And the clerk says, oh, $30. And the manager says, listen, to be honest with you, there was a sale on that TV. It was actually $25. Uh, I feel bad. You should give the five bucks back to the three guys, right? So the manager gives the $5 to the clerk, says, run down the street, give them the $5. So the clerk says, absolutely no problems. Runs out of the shop and starts running down the street. But as they're running down the street, they think, well, you know what? I'm going to take $2 for myself, right? Because I'm doing all this extra work. And that means I can give them each a dollar back. So that's, that's easier, right? So he runs up to them. He sees them, puts $2 in his back pocket and gives $1 each back to the three guys. So story so far, each of these guys has now paid $9 dollars each for the tv set not ten dollars because the clerk has given them each one dollar back so nine times three is 27 right and then if you add the two dollars that's in the guy's pocket that's 29 dollars so where did the other dollar go right so when you first hear that, it's like, okay, so 999, 27 plus 2, 29, where'd the other dollar go? And this is a type of paradox because uh, there's, there shouldn't be any missing money. And if you want to know the answer to that apparent paradox, you're going to have to tune in tomorrow. Uh, that's terrible to say. You can also look it up on the internet. I'm sure you'll find it within two minutes. But uh, we will take it apart. Uh, I'll show you why it's an obvious apparent paradox. But then I will also give you um, some paradoxes that seem to be uh, absolute, i.e. they aren't apparent. They are uh, necessary. They're actually something that um, tells us something about the nature of reality. So that's what we're going to do tomorrow called Enslaved to Freedom, Paradox, Freedom and Authenticity. I hope some of you tune in then or that I see some of you at my Wake Festival in May. All right, take care. Bye bye.